It's hard to believe, just as our summer garden is peaking in terms of its production, that it's time to start getting ready for the fall. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast July 29, 2010, actually recorded a day ahead of time. We were going to be away from the farm, so we decided we'd go ahead and do this today, a day ahead and then release it tomorrow. We've heard a lot about fall gardens, most of it positive, but one of the things we're most looking forward to is that fall gardens, you're supposed to have less problem with bugs. Oh, and that will be a blessed relief. Um, I may have mentioned on previous podcasts of my struggles with um, squash bugs and caterpillars, which we now know that the specific type that's been um, on our tomatoes is most likely a hornworm. Big old green sucker. Oh, you know? so ugly. They're so, so ugly. Oh, God, I just hate them. And, uh, and I've known that I've had cutworms. I've known about um, stink bugs, that sort of thing. Uh, grasshoppers, you name it. There is, we've got a plethora of pests out there. And I am looking forward to having uh, fewer of those in the fall. Now, last year we had a fall garden, but uh, I think we agree that we were too late getting it in the ground. And, of course, the deer consumed it anyway, so right. it was kind of a moot point. So, But there's uh, sort of a delicate timing issue here. You, you can't put it in the ground too soon because it'll get burned up, but you can't wait because then it doesn't get the sun it needs to develop the, the main trunk of the plant. That's right. So what? tell me the sort of the schedule that you have in mind for the fall garden. Well, I, I won't be able to be really specific about each plant right now. I don't have my notes in front of me, except to say that I've already put some of it in. Some had to be in by um, mid-July. So I've got, and some could be continuous planting for a while, like um, I've been planting purple hull peas all along, um, lima beans. And um, I just put some pole beans in the ground the other day. Um, and then I've got some plantings that need to be in by the 30th of July. And that's basically the rest of the cucumbers. I've planted some fall cucumbers already, but I have a few more of those and um, some um, some more lima beans. And then basically we're looking at by mid-August some of the plantings. And then we have a few that can go through September. So it will just gradually take shape. And I've already started seedlings for some cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. Many of those seedlings did not work well because we, I put them in the um, the dome, you know, with the when I started them so that they could get plenty of uh, moisture to germinate. Then we left to go to the lake for a couple of days. And when I came back, those suckers had <laughs> shot up and were, are extremely leggy. And so some of them basically just didn't make it. But I have some uh, that are that are doing pretty well, and so I'm hopeful that I'll have some um, full-size transplants to put in the ground by the middle of August. Yeah, you were telling me that one of the valuable lessons you have now learned about starting seeds is you just don't put seeds in those starter trays 
unless you are going to be here to babysit them. Right, especially this time of the year. I had a little more leeway with it in the spring when the weather was cooler and there was a cool things place. Things didn't happen quite so yes, fast. Yes, things didn't happen that fast. And, of course, this was only my second time to even start seed, the first time having been a fairly cool spring. So um, it's a totally different animal when you do a fall garden. It's Yeah, it's hot, and we had them in the storage room in there where it gets hot. And I think you told mm. me you put them in those little trays and... Literally within a day or two, they were up and sprouted. Yeah, yeah, it, it happened fast. So, um, however, a f there was one variety of cabbage that was a little slower, and it's doing the best because it didn't have a chance to get so leggy. Yeah. So that's one of the ironies. And, I, and so I think we will have some um, seedlings to put in the ground or transplants, rather. But then I'm also going to experiment, and I saved out some seed from the packets of uh, a few of those that I'm going to transplant, and I can't remember exactly which ones. Let's say it's a certain type of cabbage, and then I will sow those directly into the soil and see which ones do better. And I'm I know told you can go either way. Interested in trying to develop as much as you can, just putting the seed in the ground. It would be a lot easier for us. Yeah. yeah. So you're you're really spending a lot of time and energy with those seeds starting little trays and keeping up with them and so forth and then when we put them in the ground they don't do all that well. Right some of them do and some don't. The Cherokee purple tomatoes even though we have yet to harvest a single tomato from them but they're growing and they yeah. they seem to be doing pretty well. By the way I didn't tell you but I staked those two tallest Cherokee oh, purples yesterday because they were sort of toppling yeah. over. And, yeah they're um, growing like crazy. Some support but you're right not only do we not have any fruit I don't know that I've seen any blossoms to speak of. Have you? A uh, couple of little ones forming on the Cherokee purples, yeah. Uh -huh. But but the um, peppers that I worked on so hard, I think I only have two that are still alive that some varmint or pest didn't get. And then the eggplants, I may have told that story of their complete disappearance from the garden. So, you know, I'm not doing well with transplants, needless to say. Um, and I'd love to be able to do as much direct seeding as I can. It, absolutely. I think the more we're, we can put seed in the ground, the more satisfactory this whole gro food growing experience is right, going to be right. um, for all kinds of reasons. So um, on Sunday morning, we got out and uh, prepared one entire row just to refresh you. Veg Hill has on it 12 rows plus a little demi row for the blackberries. And uh, each row, on at least on the west side, is 140 feet long, and then they get a little shorter on the east side. But one of the 140-foot rows has had sun hemp growing on it, and we got out and cut that sun hemp on Sunday. And um, I'm sure both of us have been looking at it. I know I have to see, is the sun hemp springing back up? And so far, it does not appear to be. Right, and that will be the row that we'll use for our... Um planting of the fall garden so yeah we want to let that sort of have a chance to mellow i guess that's not the right word but we want to let it lie there for a moment before we plant something on top of it so right. i guess um sometime next week we'll probably be doing some planting on row six absolutely for your fall garden yeah and and some of the things that I, for the fall garden that i, I mentioned i've already planted and will continue to um, are just 
squeezed in amongst the summer garden, you know, where, whereas uh, either a crop fails like the corn, which is a, the, the sweet corn, yeah. which has been a miserable failure because bugs have attacked the, uh, the ears, um, that I'll pull up and put something there. But by and large, most of the fall, the lettuces and cabbages and Brussels sprouts and all will go into the, that row that we've mm. cleared. Um, but I was, I, I, I passed along to you my conversation with Mr. Henderson down the hill. Our neighbor, our closest neighbor here at Longleaf Breeze, Mr. Henderson, was telling me that uh, his entire cornfield did not make this year. He was real frustrated about that, and I don't blame him. Right, because didn't you say he had spent about $300 on fertilizer for on it? On fertilizer, yeah. And just to have it go. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing to show for Yeah, it. I've passed by it. It does look pretty sad. It's it's yeah. just brown. Um, yeah, so th I guess that makes me feel better, but this is two years in a row that we have planted corn and gotten nothing to show for it. Now, last year we didn't plant enough, granted, and it wasn't in a block configuration the way it needed to be, um, but we still had problems with something, some pest, uh, some little worms, I guess, um, eating the kernels, and so you would You'd open up a, uh, an ear and you know, shuck it and look in there and see very little corn, actually, in there. <laughs> it was kind of sad. I'm forming a theory about that corn, and my theory is it. we know corn needs lots and lots of nitrogen. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that um, if we can plant some corn on the east side next year, in the wake of this sun hemp that's been growing most of the summer on the east side, we may have better results. Right. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it could be any number of things that are causing the problem other than that, but I, I do have some optimism that we can get corn to make if, we, um, if we're following sun hemp. Yeah. And I also wonder about the variety of corn making a difference, because um, so far, I'm going to knock on wood when I see this. say this, I have planted some dent corn, and some of it is actually looking pretty good right now. Mm -hmm. There's um, a hickory... Dent corn is that uh, multicolored? Well, it, c it can come in different colors. I have some called Tennessee Red, and there's at least one or two stalks of that look pretty good. And I've planted Hopi Blue Flower Corn. That's an Indian corn that's supposed to be blue, which we'll see how some of that does. The painted mountain corn that was multi, as you were mentioning, that one I can look down there and already see bugs in the in the corn hmm. ears. So I don't know. But I'm just toying with the idea that maybe there's a certain variety or set of varieties that actually might work better than others out there, and I don't know what they are. And, okay. and I was just you know randomly planting corn the past couple of years. One of the things that we've talked about on row six where we cut the sun hemp is whether we should put clear plastic over that area to kill the weeds. And I'm all for that because the weeds, especially in the aisle, you know, we've weeded within the row, but the aisle weeds, it looks like grass, but we know it's weeds, they are encroaching upon mm -hmm. the row. And I was reading this morning on Gardening Organically back in the archives, John Bridges on Gardening Organically said, if you let the soil at one inch depth get to 130 degrees and have it stay there for an hour, you ought to be okay. So I don't know whether we can get to 130, but I bet we can. You mean okay in terms of killing the weeds? Yes. Without 
destroying all the fauna in your soil. I see. Yeah, we definitely don't want to do that. But, and that's why I'm thinking for the plastic more in the aisle um, and, and maybe overlapping into the row to the extent we need to to kill those weeds. But I'm much more interested in killing it in the places where we always just plan to be walking. And if it does happen to kill um, some good guys in the aisle, we're not quite as concerned about it mm-hmm. in the walkway. I, I'm guessing that in order for this to work, you're going to have to cover a broader area than just the aisle. Mm-hmm. I think if we're going to do this plastic idea, it's probably going to be an aisle, a row, and the aisle on the on the yeah. other side of it. Yeah. It's going to be that wide a swath. Well, you know, again, we, we've admitted to being somewhat experimental with what we're doing. Absolutely. Maybe we just need to try that and yeah. see what happens because it's clear that the, the weeds are wearing us out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you and I both have this concern, but I think I may have it more than you, and that is it, we're working really hard on the summer garden. Should we be taking on a fall garden at all? And if we do, what can we do to make sure that we don't w- run you ragged, um, <laughs> just overwork you? There's the whole idea of an annual rhythm with seasons is that you have a period of time when there's not a lot you can do and you just have no choice but to rest. And I'm a little nervous that we won't have that if we have a full summer garden and then a full fall garden, which of course becomes a winter garden as well. The fall garden, though, is not nearly so extensive. It's, I mean, you think about a row, that's not bad. And... Um, so I, I think of it as a little bit more of a laid-back garden. I hope I'm right about I that. I hope you're right, too. <laughs> and Let, we, Let's remember this conversation, yes. and I'm going to hold you to it and say, Amanda, you said this was your laid-back garden. I <laughs> know, I know. And I'm going to try not to be crushed if we don't get things in there um, or if things don't come up. I don't know. I, I, it's all a learning experience. For example, uh, speaking of, of learning, one of the crops that's done really well for us in terms of production has been our, well, two, actually, watermelon and cantaloupe. They, our melons do beautifully. Yeah, the melons are great. They're doing great. And those, we hope, will continue until, you know, it gets relatively cool. But um, they're, the, sun, the hot sun has been cracking some of the watermelon. Just a few at this point. Um, and so we're learning that... And we don't own any shade cloth. No. We've talked about the fact we may need might to... Might need to invest in yeah. some, at some point. Uh, we know that last year, for example, when we actually had tomatoes that grew, <laughs> um, that we had a problem with cracking because of the hot mm. sun. So it's probably something we want to, to think about for the future. Um, the cantaloupes, we're... They seem to be doing pretty well as long as we put boards underneath them. Right. And and we were recommended. I think that the Chanteray melons that I or that I planted, they recommend putting a board. And I'm just going to do that under all of them because um, the the few cantaloupes that we've had that have gone bad, if you want to call it that, or I've had to to harvest prematurely, were beginning to rot a little on the bottom where they laid on the ground. So with that board underneath, it's supposed to protect that. So we're hoping that we can actually learn something from the tail end of our summer garden and then into fall that's going to help us next year. Good. Well, I hope so, too. Uh, A little good news we got this morning. We had Ken Craig from Professional Chimney Services over in Columbus, Georgia, come and visit us to do an inspection of the wood stove and the chimney. 
and the news could not have been better on that. Right. He said we did basically didn't have much creosote buildup at all. Nothing but dust, he said. Yeah. He really complimented us on our fires. He said that we've done a good job, um, and, and we have, I think. We keep nice, hot fires. Most of the time we burn, it's with the damper wide open, and that creates a hot fire. And one of the continuing issues, particularly because of my brother Dave Gray's concern, has been, can we get away with burning pine? Because he just was convinced that would be a terrible mistake. And um, now the last doubt has been removed. Burning pine in one of these modern, efficient wood stoves is just not a problem at all. We should feel totally comfortable burning pine and... um, which will help tremendously in firewood management because we have a lot of pine here at Longwood yeah, Breeze. Yeah, And as we've just uh, split and stacked some firewood a couple of weeks ago, I saw some pine in there, so it's good to know we can use it. Absolutely. Well, we hope you have a wonderful week, and we will look forward to visiting with you soon. Stay cool. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the Daily Farm Log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.